It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. You're welcome along to the programme on the first day of uh, December and in a couple of moments I'm going to be playing my first Christmas song of 2021 and I'm thrilled that the powers that be have decided to put in my favourite Christmas song as the first song that I play and uh, I'll let you know what that is in just a moment. John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. There's an awful lot about housing in the programme uh, or in the papers uh, today but the front page of the examiner kind of stopped me in my tracks when I saw it and it is a handwritten note from uh, a little I'm assuming a little girl maybe it's a little boy a little girl it's just sound E aged six years and it is to do with Focus Ireland and an exhibition that was put on in Dublin yesterday to highlight the issue of homeless families as we head into Christmas and what they did was they got children who are living in homeless accommodation or have been affected by homelessness in any way throughout the last year just to put in some artwork or to write letters to say what homelessness meant to them and what a home would mean would mean to them. So this little six-year-old girl, as I say, obviously they're keeping her name private. It's just signed E, aged six, wrote a little letter and then put her hand in paint and her handprint is on the painting, is on the little letter. And it says a home, and it's written in real childlike six-year-old handwriting. A home would mean I could get a dog. I don't know what I would call it yet, but it will be fluffy. My friends would come over and my dad can visit. Nobody can visit me here. And then it's just signed E, age six. Isn't that just absolutely heartbreaking? Now she's obviously either living in uh, a homeless, one of those hubs, or she's in a hotel room where she can't have visitors come over. And obviously if you're in homeless accommodation, you can't have a dog. And that's she, she dreams of one day owning a, a dog. And it's all part of uh, Focus Ireland's ca- campaign to highlight homelessness this Christmas. And Sister Stan, who founded... Focus Ireland, would you believe back in 1983, and God knows what a brilliant woman Sister Stan is, I don't think she could have believed when she set up Focus Ireland as a charity for homelessness back in the 80s, that here she would be in 2021, still doing the same great work that she has always done and her team has always done over the years. And uh, child homelessness, she said, is a black stain on Ireland 
and everybody, said everybody, needs to reflect on that this uh, this uh, Christmas. Sister Stan described the plight of more than two and a half thousand children who will be in emergency accommodation this Christmas as an absolute disgrace. She said that child homelessness is terrible and it is a shameful phenomenon of modern Irish life she said because successive governments have effectively stopped building social houses and she said the problem is that there aren't any votes in homelessness and children are are not votes so she's not just pointing the finger of blame at this government she's saying you know successive governments have done nothing when it comes to homelessness particularly homelessness with their children and when she was asked you know because I was just thinking about the fact that she's been doing it since 1983 and actually one of the journalists interviewing her yesterday asked her you know does she ever get disillusioned after all of these years and you know working in this in the sector and watching the sector and it just doesn't seem to be improving and she says well I could but I hold on to uh, hope. So we're lucky that we have people like Sister Stan and the gang in Focus Ireland. So as I say, well done to the Irish Examiner because it certainly it's one, you know, when pictures sort of stop you dead in your tracks. Because I, when I saw it first, I thought it was going to be a little letter for some child's little letter to Santa Claus. I thought, of, you know, for the 1st of December and all of that. But it's just... Uh, quite chilling really uh, to read it and as I say lots in the papers today with to do with housing because obviously the MICA redress uh, scheme that was announced uh, yesterday and now people whose houses are crumbling because of MICA will sit and reflect on the offer and you know we'll, we'll wait and see uh, what happens from here the overall anticipated cost of the scheme now has almost trebled when they first started talking about a MICA redress scheme for the people affected, it was expected that it would be about 80, 800 million euro is what the government and the taxpayer would have to pay in order to sort out the problem of MICA. That has now gone to 2.2 billion euro is what the redress scheme for those people affected by MICA is going to cost. So a lot about that in the papers today. And there's also a number of articles to do with a TV programme that hasn't even aired yet. It gets its first airing tonight. And this is the programme called My Bungalow Bliss. And it'll be on after the RT News uh, tonight on RTE1. And the reason that it's been getting a lot of attention is they've been, there's been a lot of ads in the probably the last seven days, the last week, week I've seen, every time I seem to switch on RTE I seem to come across this ad for My Bungalow uh, Bliss and the architect behind this programme Hugh Wallace and everybody would know uh, Hugh Wallace he, he's been doing a lot of programmes to do anything to do with architecture the Home of the Year he's always one of the judges on Home of the Year it's his new RTE programme and it's to do with makeovers of bungalows he's defending it because there's been a furious reaction and the furious reaction has been to the ad rather than the new programme so I suppose we should need to watch the programme before people decide to get very annoyed about it and the the ad that's running and the programme is called My Bungalow uh, uh, Bliss describes these bungalows these were the bungalows that were built in the 70s and they described the buildings as damp dark and dated and of course for the countless families tens of thousands of families who live in these bungalows they are really really annoyed that their homes are being described as damp dark 
and uh, dated. But Hugh Wallace is out saying his programme is in fact a homage to what is essentially an Irish piece of architecture. And he said people will likely realise that when they sit down and actually watch the programme. It's a four part uh, series and what happens is it sees four architects helping first time bungalow owners to reimagine the homes uh, they have uh, bought. And these were homes that were as I say, built all over the country. Generations of children were raised in these bungalows in the uh, 70s. And the, the idea of the programme now is to let another generation into these homes, but the architects want them to be reimagined. Now, several people have been giving out, as I say, just about the ad itself, taking umbrage to what it's a very negative description of these uh, bungalows. You know, one person was saying that the ad was horrific and the ad should have been pulled off air, and another said it was an insult to the work of the architect Jack. Fitzsimons. And these bungalows are all the work of Jack Fitzsimons. What happened was, back in the 70s, Jack Fitzsimons produced a book that was called Bungalow Bliss. And it became an absolute phenomena in the 1970s uh, Ireland because what the book did was it showcased step-by-step instructions on building your own one-storey house. At the time, it sold over a quarter of a million copies and it helped so many young couples to get onto the property ladder. I'm open to correction, but I think there was 160 different styles of bungalows contained in the book. So you bought the book, I think it was about £10 at the time. You picked the bungalow that you felt could be your forever home. Then you sent off for the plans and I heard somebody say it was £100 to buy the plans from the architect, then the guy who wrote the book, uh, Jack Fitzsimons. And you got three copies of the plans, one for yourself, one that you would give to your builder and one that you would send off for planning. So it was a much cheaper way to get architects' drawings of a bungalow. And I'm sure at the time, architects must have been up in arms because they were being done out of business by Jack Fitzsimons and his book, Bungalow uh, Bliss. But like so many houses, and it's all over the country, it isn't just certain areas of the country, there will be people listening to us this morning who have lived all of their adult life and probably raised their families and maybe now even have grandchildren in one of these of one of the houses that came out of Bungalow Bliss. And if you look around the country, you'll see the typical bungalow. If you want to call them the standard bungalows, but people made these into beautiful forever homes. Now, they may not have been insulated at the time because insulation wasn't in, but over the years, people would have insulated them. So they're not all uh, damp uh, houses. The dark bit of it, I think is always going to be a problem with a lot of these bungalows because many of these bungalows had like the corridor in the middle. The bedrooms, the bathrooms would have been off each side of the corridor. So that corridor obviously never had natural light unless all the doors were opened. So I suppose there, there's parts of the bungalow can be a little bit dark. But I think calling them dated is wrong as well because people, if you built one of these bungalows back in the 70s, people would have done renovation work over the years and would have updated them. I mean, I, I, don't, well, I think would imagine this very few people built one of these homes in 19 
back in the 1970s from this book Bungalow Bliss and that they've never done a thing to it since. They would have modernised it over the years. I think it's wrong to say uh, it was dated. Anyway, Hugh Wallace is out defending his programme and he's saying uh, to people to watch the programme because he says he reckons that when people see the programme he's hoping that they'll understand it's not about dismissing the bungalow. He reckons it's the exact opposite it's about celebrating it as part of our heritage. So if you were living in one of those bungalows and, you know, I think there's going to be a, a big viewership for it. Anyone who lives in one of those bungalows, particularly if you've been in the bungalow that you built since the 1970s, I think there's going to be a huge interest in it. But obviously there's also going to be a, a big interest for younger couples now because some of these bungalows are coming up for sale. So, And that's what this programme is about. It's about the younger generation who have now bought one of these bungalows that were built in the 70s and the architects will move in and they're going to try to uh, modernise it. So the programme is on uh, tonight as I say, after the news at uh, nine o'clock, uh, if you want to watch it, 1850-333-103. And talking about that picture on the front page of the examiner stopping me in my tracks, a text a, this is a WhatsApp that has come in from Michael in Castletown there that has me aghast as well. And we are looking into this and we are trying to get on to the driving licence, the NDLS, to try to get clarification on this. But Michael says, Patricia, yesterday, an elderly man travelled a round trip of over 100 miles. He travelled from the parish of Allahys out on the tip of the Bera Peninsula to go into the NDLS centre in Skibbereen to renew his driving licence. He brought all the documentation with him. He had everything in order on presentation to the lady clerk at the counter window. And he was there bang on time ready with his appointment. When he was asked for the relevant payment for his licence, he produced cash, which was flatly rejected. And he was told it has to be on his bank card. Now, Patricia, this poor gentleman never, ever possessed a bank card in his life. He did then offer to phone a friend who had a bank card and would pay it for him over the phone. But again, the lady flatly rejected that offer. The upshot being... He was told by the lady to go and get a bank card and come back when he had it. Hence, he had to leave the NDLS centre in the height of shock and without his new driver's licence until he now tries to sort out a bank card. He's in the height of despair because I've been left to understand that his cash became useless to him. I personally think that this was a shocking thing to happen to anyone young or old in this day and age. Surely this gentleman will not be on his own in not having a bank card. He surely will have plenty other comrades. Now I do know we have dealt with this issue before about the NDLS and that they don't accept cash and that you you need to and I don't know if they're not accepting cash came in because of COVID or not. I'd have to get that one checked uh, with John Paul. Uh, But I know we have dealt with them not accepting cash. But I cannot understand why the when the gentleman said, you know, maybe he could have a son or a daughter or a friend or another family member who has a card. Why can't somebody else's card be accepted? So, as I say, we're getting on to NDLS just to find out what exactly happens in a situation like that and also to see if we can get some advice for this elderly uh, gentleman because he's hardly going off now to open up a bank account to get a bank card and how long will all of that uh, take and why 
should anybody be forced to get a bank card just so that he can renew his driving licence. It's absolutely shocking indeed. And Michael in Castletown thank you for alerting us to this, is right in saying that this gentleman is not on his own, which also leads me to believe that others must have been in the very same situation, gone into NDLS to renew their driving licence, didn't have a bank card. How did others get around it? There's got to be a way around this. You can't force somebody to get a bank card just so that they can renew their driving licence. So while, while we await a response from NDLS, can anybody else tell us how they got around that one? The number of people reacting to uh, Michael's story from West Cork and that poor elderly gentleman, a hundred mile round trip, only to be told that he couldn't renew his licence because he didn't have a bank card. Una says, Trish, I thought driving licences were free for the elderly. No, they were at one stage, not anymore. Um, I thought cash was legal tender, said somebody else. It should be accepted. You travel long distances uh, to get to get there and even at some of the centres they won't allow you to use the toilets Judy says why doesn't that gentleman get a postal order or a money order I don't know if they accept a postal order or a money order uh, either we're waiting on them to get back but Eleanor is on to us Uh, good morning to you Eleanor Good morning, Patricia. How are uh, you? I'm very well, uh, thank you. The very same thing happened in Cork yesterday. In Cork yesterday, my sister was there renewing her nice her license, and a lady was there like that with no card. Um, and they told her like she'd have to go away and uh, get a card, which wasn't convenient, obviously. So uh, what happened was a, a gentleman in the queue said, "You can use my card." And what? And do they allow it? Acceptable, it was yes. Yeah. So she gave him the fifty euro, and her his card was used, and she paid her thirty five euros. Wow! And well done, well done to the gentleman. Yes. And I mean, and this poor elderly man had somebody on the phone that was willing to, you know, make a telephone payment, and they just wouldn't accept it. All oh, right, it's a That's, crazy situation. Actually. Uh, and like a hundred mile round trip. God help him. Yeah. And expecting an elderly person to go in and get a bank card just so he can renew his driving licence. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Crazy. Well done. Well done to that gentleman in Cork. Well done to him, yes. Yeah. Okay, thanks for that, Eleanor. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, we're waiting on the NDLS to come back to us, by the way, on a statement. They did give us a statement back in September when we asked them about this before and they told us back in September that if you're going to the NDLS centre to renew or to get a driving licence, they can only accept credit, debit card or Google Pay or Apple Pay or PayZone vouchers. Where did you get a PayZone voucher? Unfortunately, cash, cheques, postal orders will not be accepted. So to the person uh, suggesting the postal orders, that will not be accepted. 1850 Margaret says, Hi Patricia, I don't have a bank card either. I've never had one. My driving licence is due in February. I don't intend getting a card ever. I do all of my work in cash, all of my dealings with cash. It's easier for me to uh, manage because I have so little says uh, Margaret thanks uh, for that uh, Margaret yeah you're, you're not there's a lot of people will say that they, they're the same they don't have a lot uh, she told me people don't have a lot we're still getting so many calls in from people desperately waiting on the Christmas bonus really relying on the Christmas bonus this year it's next week the Christmas bonus has been paid out not this week from next week from December 6th through to December 10th the bonus is going to be uh, paid out. Uh, Liz says, Patricia, would you believe I was doing a bit of decluttering last week 
And I found that Bungalow Bliss book that you were talking about in the 80s. We actually got plans for our bungalow from that book. We didn't build it in the end, but my brother-in-law built the house instead. It was a very popular book at the time, kind of regards, says Liz. So it wasn't just in the 70s. It went into the 80s as well. I thought it was only a 70s uh, phenomena. And uh, someone else says, can't wait to see that Hugh Waddis programme tonight. My parents built a bungalow in the 60s in rural Ireland. Mum wanted an indoor toilet and she was told, who do you think you are? We've come a long way. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, a Cork GP has voiced serious concerns over the high incidence of COVID-19 and, of course, the emergence of the Omicron variant, saying that it is vital to bring down the number of positive cases being reported before the start of the festive season. Joining me with his views, Dr John Sheehan of Blackpool Bridge Surgery. Good morning to you, John. Morning, and as always, great to have you on the programme. Thank you for that. Now, this isn't just about children reducing their social contacts. Is it now up to all of us to question where we're going and what we're doing, for, certainly in the lead up to Christmas? It really is, because if we cast our minds back to 12 months ago and what happened in January, Patricia, after Christmas, um, you know, there was a huge increase um, in cases and in hospitalisations and unfortunately deaths. So really what we're trying to do now is we're trying to avoid that situation happening. And you can see the numbers now that are hovering around sort of 4,000 most days. Um, If we're coming into December where a lot of families will be meeting each other, uh, older relatives will be meeting younger people, um, which is all great. But we want to try and get the numbers down before we hit that crucial holiday period. So a lot of these measures that have come in, and I know, you know, we're all frustrated and we're all fed up with COVID, but really the logic is that by reducing down our contacts, all of us, not 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 just children, but but all of us, by reducing it down, we're not saying, you know, going to lockdown, we're not saying stopping things completely, but just pulling back a bit. Um, that reduced, that makes an, an impact. And already we're seeing the impact of that, Patricia, where we're seeing the hospitals, the, the number of new cases, but also the hospitalizations, they're plateauing a bit, so they're not continuing to increase. So each individual small thing that we do, we're often tempted to think, oh, this isn't really going to make a difference. But you add that up nationally, and it really does make a difference. And um, we've had more cases here in our practice in Blackpool in the last week than certainly in the last six months. Um, most of them are fine, thankfully, and you know most of them have been vaccinated. And the children who get them, they're generally fine. They're sick, but they're generally fine. You know, they they get over it. Uh, kids are a resilient bunch. But the measures that have come in recently, you know, in terms of the masks now that we're you know that we're hearing for children and and and, and the reduction in activities, they're just telling us all, uh, both adults and children, that we just need to be a little bit careful and we just need to you know, uh, you know, be a bit more cautious. And I think a reminder of that really was the Omicron variant that came out, you know, that it showed us that this virus and this saga continues to change every couple of months and there's a new challenge posed each time. How concerned are you about that Omicron variant, John? 
I, uh, there's three things about it. Um, first of all, is it more transi- transmissible, um, which it seems, uh, it's early days, but it seems to be. The second is, do people get sick, and there's no more sick on it than, than the current Delta variant, and there's no evidence that they do. And the third one is, is the vaccine effective against it? And again, there's no evidence that it isn't, but we don't know the answers to the second and the third uh, questions fully yet. So the precautionary thing is to try to buy us a bit more time so that's why the restrictions came in. Now, it's in Europe. It's, I suspect it's in Ireland. But is it going to change anything that we're going to do? And in a way, it will probably make us just a bit more aware of, oh, jeepers, yeah, I do need to up my game a bit. I do need to just be a little bit more cautious just in case, you know. So I don't think it's going to change things dramatically. Um, there's about 200 variants that are out there, and we're hearing about different ones. We go on webinars every week. We hear about different ones every week, and most of them burn themselves out and don't really make a difference. This one they're not sure about, so that's why the barriers kind of went up. Um, but I don't think it's going to change a whole lot about what we're going to do. And are you happy with the uptake of the booster jabs? I am really, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, we do clinics twice a week, and you've seen the queues outside City Hall and uh, in Cork and, and, and in other places. And, you know, pharmacies are doing it, GPs are doing it right throughout Cork. Um, and, and really, the uptake has been fantastic. You know, um, like if you look at the vaccination rates for the over the over eighties, it's something like ninety nine percent. The over seventies is ninety eight percent. It really is, you know, a fantastic achievement. And as we're working our way down through the groups now, the uptake is really, really impressive. For people who want to get on with their lives, they, you know, they're, they're fed up of it. One of the positive notes I would think about this, Patricia, although we're in COVID and all the numbers, if you look at where we were this time last year. Very little was open, you know, mm. hospitality, things, you know, working, all the restrictions, you know, very, you know, there was huge things. Now, for all the challenges we have, we are going about our day-to-day business. We are, you know, kids are in school, there are activities, you know, retail is open, all of those things. So there are a lot of positives, and I think that will continue to happen, you know, over the next, you know, 12 months. So I will be optimistic about yeah, this. Yeah, it, it isn't all doom and gloom. And the other not, really no, positive no. Um, it, it, positive thing coming from the booster uh, jab, it's showing in the over 70s and the over 80s, as you say, who are nearly all va- all booster done at this stage, the numbers of them getting uh, COVID-19 dropped hugely when they started getting the booster. So the boosters are working. They, they really are. And it seems to have made a huge difference. Um, you know, thankfully... The average age of people getting COVID now is in their 30s. So, you know, no one wants to get COVID, but they're generally a much healthier group. So the older individuals, the nursing home residents, all of those vulnerable groups, they seem to be doing, you know, okay with this. And that's great, you know. So I think that's the positive news to take from this. Okay, and then we 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 know from Friday it comes in a PCR test or a professional antigen test for everybody arriving uh, into Ireland. Is that the right move, do you think? Are the government right on that one? It probably is. My young fellow's coming home on Saturday and he was giving out about it. <laughs> um, so, but, but, but it probably is. And again, it's not a perfect solution because you could say, well, I could pick it up on the way to the airport and I could still burn it in. And obviously you can. But really what it does is it reduces down the risk. It's a bit like having your seatbelt on. It's a bit like, you know, all the other things that we do to reduce down our risk. It doesn't eliminate the risk, but again, it just reduces it down. And all the activities that we're doing, you could argue at each individual one of them, you know, oh, that's not going to make a massive difference. What about crowd that matches? What about this? But all of that reduces down the risk. And it, 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 
the, the restrictions at airports and the requirements at airports, I think, are a sensible measure. OK, and don't forget the basics are still there, the mask wearing, the hand hygiene and the social distancing. Absolutely. And there are the things, you know, this gets into our face, our nose and our eyes. Yeah. That's how it gets in. So, okay. you know, it's better things to remember. Right. Are you very busy at the practice, John? We are, yeah. yeah. Between vaccines, calls and then people COVID and the day-to-day work. I'm in Blackpool for 18 years and this is the business we've ever been. Wow, wow. OK, listen, have a, have a, have a, a, a good Christmas and a, a safe one, John. And as always, thank you for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. you. Bye-bye. That is Dr. John Sheehan of Blackpool Bridge uh, Surgery. And actually, when we were talking about the PCR test uh, or their professional antigen test, if you're fully vaccinated for anybody travelling into this country, uh, somebody says, could you clarify something for me, please, Patricia? Is it from Friday morning or Friday night that the travel rules kick in? The reason I ask is, and this was somebody who texted us yesterday, a friend of mine went to Scotland uh, and now she's desperately trying to find a place to get tested before she comes back on Friday. If she's travelling back in on Friday the new laws kick in from a minute past midnight on Friday so anybody landing on Friday morning will have to have if she's fully vaccinated she'll have to have either the professional antigen uh, test or if she's not fully vaccinated then it's a negative uh, PCR test and of course the big worry and the big concern I saw uh, somebody I know is in Spain at the moment went for a week last uh, Saturday back this Saturday we'll have to get the antigen test and was trying to find a place in Spain where they could get the antigen test done. And the big worry is, even though they're fully vaccinated, what, you know, what if they have picked up COVID-19 on their travels and then they test positive? You won't be allowed on the plane, uh, is what a lot of the carriers are saying, if you have a positive test and that will mean you're away and having to self-isolate and find a place where you can self-isolate and the cost that's involved in that and you have to self-isolate for 10 days until you can produce a negative PCR test. So travel does come with a little bit of a nightmare uh, scenarios at the moment. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie As the winter sets in Schools all over the country are wondering whether HEPA filters could be the answer to help them battle the spread of COVID-19 transmission, especially with falling temperatures. Brian O'Doherty is president of the Irish Primary Principles Network and uh, Brian joins me. Good morning to you, Brian. Good morning. Uh, Brian, and firstly, of course, is from today, the primary school pupils from third class up are now required to wear face coverings. How do you think that's going to go down in schools? That's right. Yes, on on foot of of Cabinet's acceptance of NEFA's recommendation on, on the wearing of face masks, um, an information note issued to schools by email yesterday evening and that was followed late last night by a letter from the CMO which is to be distributed to parents and, and the information note details that, that pupils from third to sixth class are required to wear face masks with certain exemptions applying obviously including for, for children with medical conditions and those who have maybe additional needs who would find the wearing of masks challenging and, and that information note stipulates that, that medical certificates are required for a child to be exempted um, although a certain amount of discretion has been afforded to schools in that regard. So w- we would anticipate that, that schools are digesting that information this morning um, and that they would agree a plan of action in, in consultation with their boards of management, obviously, um, which would, they would then communicate to their school communities. And, and we would anticipate that in the coming days uh, that the focus would be on encouraging and 
supporting compliance as opposed to um, you know the going down the enforcement route. And, and I do note that uh, the department has, has issued a statement this morning to say that you know they would anticipate that there would be flexibility on this in the coming days. Yeah, and it'll be up mm. to individual uh, mm. principals and, Indeed, and, yeah. and teachers but, uh, because but, you know, they know they know the, the, the children best. But the one thing that struck me was I thought it was only going to be for a short period. I mean, they're saying it won't be reviewed until mid-February. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that's true. And, and the implementation of any new measure, uh, as you know, it can be a source of, of concern and anxiety. You know, so one of the most important things around this is the, is the messaging, particularly to parents. Um, you know, we got the, the the what of this in the information note um, from the department, and we got the why of it um, in the CMO's letter to parents. But the, the missing piece of the jigsaw uh, of the information jigsaw, anyway, would be that you know the how of it, yeah. uh, and we'd be urging that FAQs would be developed to, to eliminate that kind of concern and anxiety that will arise for parents. There's no doubt about that. And, and those FAQs, you know, if they issued at the earliest possible juncture, would, would facilitate the, 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 the better management of this and the elimination of tensions and the minimising of tensions, indeed, okay. in relation to any difficult issues that may emerge. OK, uh, and hopefully it'll all go uh, smoothly. Well, it's an emotive issue. There's it no is, yeah, it, it is. And at and the heart of it yeah. are, are very young children. You know, yeah, and, and we and have some parents very upset about and, yeah, and not, not I, happy I, about it I at all. I understand that, you know, and, and, and the, the notion of refusing children entry to school flies in the face of everything we try to promote and achieve in our schools. You know, yeah. we, we prefer to focus on, on children's attendance at school uh, and, and, you know, as I said, the encouragement and the supporting of their compliance as opposed to the enforcement of okay. their compliance. So now, further communication would be welcome. We invited you today to talk about uh, the yeah. HEPA filters. I suppose first explain, what are HEPA filters? Well, they're... Um, Air particle, um, HEPA stands for high efficiency particulate air filters. In other words, they, they remove uh, particles from the air to improve air quality. Um, and in the context of COVID being an airborne virus, we know that good ventilation to allow for air circulation is, is a very important mitigation factor. Um, you'll be aware that guidance issued to schools uh, in this regard last year around, you know, the opening of windows and doors and so on. And then earlier in this school year, CO2 monitors issued uh, to schools. Um, but two, look, two issues arise in relation to the CO2 monitors. Um, firstly, schools weren't provided with enough. Um, mm. There wasn't one for every classroom, so they're having to share them around. Um, but secondly, CO2 monitors don't identify or detect COVID. You know, they merely give you an indication of the air quality in the room and the need then perhaps to open windows or to take the class outside for a movement break to allow for the air to be freshened up. Um, Now, one of the downsides, obviously, of of having windows wide open uh, in the colder months as we, we, on the 1st of December today, is uh, the fact that classrooms are less comfortable for children and that can impact on on how they're feeling and, and indeed on their learning, you know, so... Perhaps a better approach would be to provide schools with these air filtration. Systems. And if you had a HEPA filter, would that mean you could you could keep the windows closed? I, yeah, it's, it's, it, w- it would certainly mean that uh, you'd have more comfort about the quality of the air. You'd still have your CO2 monitor. And look, there has always been a need to keep classrooms ventilated uh, because, you know, we know that, um, you know, good good air quality in the, in the room and a good flow of air and fresh air in the room uh, it actually improves concentration and, you know, impacts positively on children's learning. But, but you'd have an 
extra layer of comfort in relation to it, which would mean that the windows wouldn't have to be as wide open mm. and children wouldn't be are as they, uncomfortable. Are they yeah. costly, these filters? Uh, I, I, I have, I've seen a range of costs, somewhere in the region of €120 Euro, uh, per system. Oh. Uh, now, now, schools have taken practical steps on the ventilation issue. Um, you know, in, in our own school, we put in new windows into two classrooms to, to improve the ventilation there. And, and some individual schools have already invested in air filtration systems. But look, a, a more systematic approach to it would be better. Uh, and they were recommended, weren't they, by the government's um, expert yeah. group as far back as March, I think. Yes, I, I, they have been recommended and I did hear the Minister for Health on, on, on TV last night um, and, and he referenced the need for a layered approach in relation to this, you know, a suite of measures that we already have the mitigation measures in place in schools since last year around the hand sanitising and the PPE and the, and the social distancing and so on. And he referenced the fact that, you know, those measures are now being supplemented by the antigen testing that, you know, is available to parents should they wish to go down that route. And indeed the wearing of face masks that came into uh, um, force today. But look, I, I, you know, the, the, the HEPA filters would be another layer in relation to that. But, but our view um, as, as the professional body for principals and deputies is that the missing layer is the reinstatement yeah. of the contact tracing and the risk assessment. Yeah, because, you know, looking at the figures uh, today, uh, Brian, I mean, yeah. there was a quote yesterday that it's, it's gone through the roof. 19% of all cases in the last week were in 5 to 12 year olds. Yeah, it, it, it is worrying, you know, and, and, and having been through the process as a principal myself, you know, the comfort that you get from engaging with public health officials around risk assessment, you know, identifying those who may be at risk uh, uh, and, and then minimising the, uh, the, the risk of onward transmission within the school setting. You know, that worked well. That was removed at the end of September. And, and I know at the time the data suggested that the virus was heading in a particular direction. But we're in a fundamentally different space now in relation Absolutely. to the trajectory and the number of cases. Absolutely. All right, listen, Brian, we leave you there. Thank you for that. And thanks no for joining problem. us on the programme. That is Brian O'Doherty, who is president of the Irish Primary Principles uh, Network. 1850-333-103. Your thoughts welcome, particularly if you've got a primary school pupil from third class up who has headed into school today. Uh, did you send them in with the face mask uh, or not? The coming days and weeks will be interesting to see how individual schools uh, react to what was introduced yesterday. Uh, John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. We're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on on the way after news at 11 how would you feel about hiring a real Christmas tree that you'd then hand back after Christmas Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie you're listening to Cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed on the bungalow bliss programme that's going to be on tonight the Hugh Wallace programme who's come out defending it um, because there's this furious reaction to the negativity that surrounds the ads and maybe after we sit down and watch the first programme we may all start to feel a little bit uh, different Michael says Patricia yes the bungalow blitz was a huge craze with the younger generation in the 70s and I say in the 80s because a number of people are contacting and saying that they bought that book and built a home in the 80s one of those bungalows Michael says yes I do like the concept of the bungalow but the sad thing is that the planners allow them to be stuck 
in between two storey houses in the countryside. Just stand back from a distance if you're out driving or walking around the countryside and have a look at them. They're totally out of kilter with the layout of the original two storey houses because that's the way houses would have been in the countryside all uh, two storey. And then suddenly this wonderful book came out, Bungalow Bliss, and everyone started building uh, bungalows. But Michael agrees that yes, they certainly did fill a very essential gap at the time. Thank you for that, uh, Michael. A Kerry listener says Hugh Wallace's comments about bungalows are absurd. He's critical. His disrespectful attitude appalls me. I'd love to live in a castle in the sky, but I'm happy and content in what I have, says a Kerry listener. Thank you for that. Uh, 1850 Number of people on about the driving licence. Now, just on the driving licence issue that we mentioned in the last hour and the elderly gentleman from the right out on the Beira Peninsula who had to did a 100 mile road trip yesterday to get into the NDLS centre in Skibbereen he only had cash with him they insisted that he needed to have a bank card he didn't have a bank card he asked could he phone a friend who would have a bank card to pay it over the phone they were saying no you couldn't do that and uh, we're trying to find out uh, is there a, what's, the, what's the other way around it a number of people have pointed out and I double checked it because I thought it got changed but it didn't people over the age of uh, 70 their driving licence is free they can just go to the NDLS centre and they don't need to have a bank card because driving licence there isn't a charge for over over 70s so I'm assuming that the gentleman we're talking about maybe he's 69 I don't have the age on the gentleman it was just a story that was relayed to us on the programme this morning but yes for over 70s renewing of a driving licence is uh, free uh, Franken from Moy says uh, Patricia on the issue of NDLS and licence renewal I renewed my licence on Thursday last at the Mallow NDLS uh, centre and I have to say the lady serving me could not have been nicer she was so helpful and so patient now I did have a bank card so that wasn't an issue for me I feel so sorry for that poor man who made a 100 mile road trip round trip to get to the centre why haven't we more NDLS centres in rural areas to save the likes of that man having to make a 100 mile journey there and uh, back such long journeys just to renew a driving licence kind regards and that's from Frank in uh, from Moy our driver's licence says Paul not free they are Paul for over 70s and then someone else has pointed out there's a shop in Skibbereen that you give your money in and they give you a voucher that you then take to the NDLS if it's Skibbereen you're talking about and it is the gentleman went to uh, Skibbereen I had to do that and the lady in the NDLS said told me about the shop and told me where to go. I hope that that gentleman gets uh, sorted. Yeah, because we did, when we contacted NDLS back in September about this issue, we were told there are a number of ways outside of a bank card that you can pay. You can pay with Google Pay and Apple Pay or you can pay with a pay zone voucher. So that's what that gentleman needed to do yesterday. He needed to go while he was in Skibbereen to the shop, or I'm assuming there's more than one shop, that does a pay zone voucher. But obviously, from what Michael is telling us, the gentleman wasn't told that yesterday or wasn't explained to him that if he went to the pay zone voucher, it's kind of a little bit like getting a postal order, but there's no point bringing a postal order because they don't accept uh, cash checks or uh, postal orders but he could have gotten a pay zone voucher and that certainly is helpful for other people who will be going to the NDLS centre, go to a pay zone 
and, and get whatever the fee for your driving licence is and get a pay zone voucher and hand that in instead. And then somebody else is making the point the fact he was told to go away and get a bank card he probably doesn't have a passport you need a passport to get a bank card in order to open up a bank account the man will never be able to get a bank uh, card and certainly they're not you don't, you can't get them very quick uh, either I was listening to that poor man's story from Skibbereen how awful for uh, uh, him I don't have a card uh, either and well understand uh, how quickly and dismissive some people can be why didn't the lady in the NDLS use her own card the man had the money she wouldn't have been at any loss wouldn't that have been a kind gesture and we did hear from Eleanor it happened in Cork City yesterday and a random man in the queue helped out another woman by saying here give me the money there's my card use my card instead and it was accepted Pat says cash is legal tender and can't be refused if people do refuse it surely they're breaking the law it could be taken to court it's legal tender says Pat it is it absolutely you're right it is legal tender but unfortunately thems are the rules at the moment the NDLS centre does not take cash and isn't it the same with the NCT centres didn't they stop taking cash as well and then Tom in Ballydehob is a kind of a man in the know uh, he at one stage worked for a company that ran the NCT uh, centres and that was at a time when they were taking cash and he said in the evening time then somebody had to take the cash that was collected during the day to the bank uh, and that's why they stopped taking cash it was it was was to cut back on staff because they needed an extra person to go to the go to the bank. There's also Tom and Bally de Hobb is pointing out a security issue around it by having cash on all of these uh, sites. And unfortunately, it's a kind of the sign of the times, Tom said. It's the way we are going. I mean, if you look at banks at the moment with the, the amount of banks that are closing and, you know, banks don't want the footfall. They don't want you going into the bank. They want you to be doing everything online. So it is the way we're almost becoming, whether we like it or not, we're almost becoming a cashless society. It doesn't suit everybody for sure. But there is that is the that's one of the reasons that they've stopped accepting cash. It's because there's a security issue and then somebody has to take the cash uh, to the bank as well. 1850 My licence is out since October, but I can't get it replaced until next year. Is that to do with the extension on your card? They put extensions on a lot of the cards and you'll have to give me more detail. I don't quite uh, understand what you're, what you're talk what you mean in your uh, text there. But if it's to do with extensions, they did put extensions onto it. Now, we've been talking about travel and the fact that anybody who's travelling, anybody coming into this country is going to either uh, going to have to have a negative PCR test or a negative antigen test. Now, it's not the home antigen test. It's a professional antigen uh, test. But Mairead has been on. She's going to Budapest next uh, week. And she thinks she may have a dilemma on her hands because she had COVID. Now, she's had her vaccines, but she also had COVID. And she's fearful that if she has to do a PCR test, that it may still show up positive for COVID, even though she's well over uh, COVID. Uh, and she had COVID in September. But she's fearful that if she did another PCR test, would it show up positive, even though she technically doesn't have COVID. She's over it, but could it still uh, happen? Now, the fact that you're vaccinated, it's an antigen test you'll have to take, Mairead, not a PCR test. You can you can do a PCR test, but it would be cheaper for you to do an antigen test. But when you go get to Budapest or maybe do it in advance, you're going to have to find, find some place in Budapest that does the professional antigen tests. No idea on the cost. 
I know I was trying to find out yesterday for people travelling from the UK I think the PCR test is about because you've got to get it done privately is about £100 and somebody was saying that the antigen the professional antigen tests are around kind of the £60 mark that's for the UK but you're going to have to check before you go because for the PCR test you'd have to have it done 72 hours before you get on the plane coming back and for the antigen test it's 48 hours but the antigen test will be a cheaper option but you're raising an interesting point for people who who had COVID in the past and the COVID is somehow still in their system even though they technically are out and about they can't shed COVID that you know there's no chance of them passing it on to anyone it isn't affecting them in any way but they could still fail on an antigen test or on a PCR test. And Mary has sent in a text to say her daughter works in a creche and she's tested positive on an antigen test at work this morning. Now, she's doubly vaccinated since May of this year, but she tested positive on a drive on a PCR test in August. After the August test, the contact tracers told her she would be positive on any further tests, even though she will have fully recovered. Can you answer that question for me, please? Is that true? How long after getting COVID can you expect tests to come up positive? How do you know if somebody has COVID or not? I'm baffled uh, by that. Um, And I'm assuming on a PCR test, would she be negative? But just on antigen tests, she would be positive. We'll see. We'll get on to the HSE. Interesting, though, that the contact tracers told you, because if that is the case, then you will have a lot of people who will be travelling and they'll have their COVID certificate based on the fact that they once had COVID. But if they fail, if they if they end up having a positive antigen test or a positive PCR test, we're told that many of the airlines will be checking and you won't be allowed onto the plane. Um, well, listen, we'll get onto the HSE and see if we can get clarification on that because that certainly will affect a lot of people and a lot of people's travel plans. 1850 333 103. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Railway View Pharmacy in Recroom. They're looking for an experienced assistant. She has CVs, please, to Emer at uh, railwayviewpharmacy at aircom.net. Irish Wheelchair Association. They've got vacancies for programme assistant drivers in Clonakilty and in Mallow. You apply via their website, www.iwa.ie. Qualified mechanic is wanted to work in Macroom. Philip is your contact at 086 252 3511. And Coffee, the Super Value in Bandon, are looking for sales assistants for permanent and seasonal positions. Email your CV to vacancies at caulfields.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, Christmas trees are not just for Christmas. Well, at least for one local Cork business with a pot-grown tree initiative that sees householders 
rent their tree in early December and then bring it back to the farm in January to be cared for for the rest of the year. I absolutely adore this concept. Colm Crowley is from Glenmire and he joins me now with all of the details. Good morning to you, Colm. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm very good. Uh, obviously, coming into the busiest time of the year for you. Tell me about this and the background to this. And when did you did you start renting out Christmas trees? Well, we're, like, we're selling Christmas trees here in Cork for nearly 25 years. Um, but like we've, we've been growing the, the pot on Christmas trees then for a number of years. And um, I heard about this concept of renting then uh, start in America about 10 or 15 years ago. And it started spreading into Germany and to the UK. And when I heard the idea, I just knew that the Irish people would really love this concept. So we said, you know, everyone's very kind of eco-conscious at the moment. We'll give it a go down this year. And so far, like the uptake, it's been fantastic. What size trees are you renting out? So we've two sizes. We've a three foot and we have a five foot. <laughs> and it comes in quite a large pot, I take it, is it? No, they're like our, the Christmas trees are actually grown in a special pot. So they're only they're only coming like seven and a half and ten liter pots, um, so they're quite tidy, you know. And are they easy to transport? Oh, simple. They could they actually come with a bag as well around the uh, the pot, so you can actually turn the Christmas tree upside down and the soil still won't fall out. <laughs> okay. So and we also have a netting machine here down in the Blackhawk Curling Club, and um, you know it just kind of compacts the Christmas tree then into a tidy little package, so you can you know easily put it into the butcher car. And so then you bring it home and put it wherever you want. I mean, there's a care involved, obviously, now, because you've got a living tree in your house. Yeah, so, like, we, we provide a care leaf as well, but, like, a Christmas tree really shouldn't be indoors more than three weeks max. Okay. So what a lot of people are doing is they're buying the popcorns now and they're leaving outside. Like, we, we also sell them as well as, as well as renting them. So anyone that's buying them now, they're buying them, they're leaving them outside for a couple of weeks and then, you know, towards the the last few weeks of Christmas and they'll bring it indoors in for a few weeks. But no longer really than three weeks inside? No longer than three weeks because uh, Christmas trees at the moment they're dormant and the last thing you want to do is um, you know get them to wake up and think that it's actually spring. Okay. So you need to kind of trick the tree in a way. So three weeks we found is, is the maximum indoors. And obviously don't have it beside a radiator or have it in a, in a cool a spot as you can. Exactly, yeah. Under floor heat, you know, would be a bit of a no-no. Okay. Um, and, like, just keep away from the stove and just keep away from the radiator, you know. And just keep an eye on it, really, I suppose. Just make sure that the tree isn't wilting. And if it is, just give it a little, little drop of water. But that's all in the care leaf. Then, so. Yeah, and it's just water. You don't have to feed it with anything else. No, it's, no. It's like the feed. There's only two feeding times, really, for Christmas trees. It's April and kind of August, so... Um, just water is the big one and you know what less is actually more um, because you know too much water the tree will actually get root rot okay, so right, yeah. a drop of water but you know I, I think just kind of keep an eye on the tree people can just kind of see themselves whether they, the tree needs a bit of water or not and then the people are renting it they'll take the tree away and they can put all the decorations on it and everything that's all okay they can, yeah, yeah they can put all the decorations lights and everything yeah, yeah. and um like our, as it's like our rentals are only from the eighth to the twelfth of December, and we take it back then again in January second. Okay, so and you bring it, you bring it, you bring it back to the to the farm. Then is it where do you back bring it? Back to the farm. It's actually West Cork and West Carby, West Cork, okay. and uh, it'll be cared for for the year. And customers then can even rent the exact same Christmas tree <laughs> then <laughs> next year. You see, that's what uh, I was going to ask. Could I fall in love with my tree and go back and say I might even recognise my tree? You can, you can. <laughs> like when people are picking out their tree, you know, it's probably easy to buy a house in the Christmas tree. <laughs> you know, they're they're spending so long here and they're they're picking out this perfect tree. 
But like come January, then they don't want it, and um, you know at least this way they, you know that they can they can have the exact same Christmas tree because we'll, we'll number all the the, um, the parts corresponding to the customers. Um, so we'll give them a text then maybe next September October to see if they still want to rent the Christmas tree. Yeah. Like our research from from other countries is. The vast majority of people do come back and rent the exact same. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like that. I, and would they would it would it have grown much then from year to year? It would grow on about I'd say about six to eight inches. Okay. You know, um, like from a, from a height point of view, and then the the width actually will, will grow small, but then as well, so there'll be a bit more of a body on it. You know, but you'd probably still recognise the tree as well because like when people buy trees, um, we every year. You know, they're sending me pictures then saying, you know, can I get the exact same Christmas tree? Because they remember their trees. Yeah, yeah. Well, you sort of, and you sit looking at it for a lot of time over Christmas as well. Yeah, people you are, do, and yeah. you recognise, yeah, it would stay with you. And like, at least this way, they, they, when the tree comes back, you know, and it, there is a bit of um, a novelty aspect to it as well. You know, that they're getting the same tree again next year and there's, you know, there's a bit of fun involved yeah. as well. And that gorgeous smell that you get from having a real Christmas tree in the house uh, column, obviously that never wanes because the tree is alive. The tree is alive, so like you're still going to get that smell and um, the, the, tree, the trees we actually rent out are the Norway spruce and there's a great smell off them as well. There's a real, you know, kind of forest pine smell off them. So that would really add to the Christmas kind of... Uh, Christmas kind of spirit in the house this year. And how much is it to rent a, a real live tree? So the three foot are 25 euros and the five foot then are 40 euros. God, you're doing it at a really good uh, rate uh, as well. And it's a, a, a real environmental um, win. Um, but but even to cut Christmas trees, because obviously you do cut Christmas trees as we well. Christmas they're trees, they're yeah. very environmentally friendly as they well. They are very environmentally friendly as well. I don't want to take from our main business as well because, I mean, when a tree is cut in November, there's, uh, you know, at least one, if not two trees are planted then again in spring, you know. So, I mean, Christmas trees, you know, they continue to, you know, take the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and provide oxygen as well. So they are very, they're carbon neutral, basically. You know, the Christmas, if you're buying a Christmas tree, it's basically carbon neutral. And they cut Christmas trees. Have people, have you noticed this year people are buying their trees earlier? You know what, I actually noticed it last year, really, oh. because I think with last year with the lockdown, um, people just kind of wanted a day out, really, and they were just dying just to, you know, come down with the family and, and pick out a Christmas tree. I think this year they've kind of, um, you know, it, it's it's not as um, people have calmed down a small bit, and they're, kind of, they're saying like, you know, we, we'll wait a bit longer this year. Um, but I think the artificial trees did go up very early this year. But I think we've, we've caught Christmas trees. I think people are going to still wait until. See, I think you're right. I, I do think people last year, and God, it's happening again this year, people need a little bit of a lift. But I think people who jumped in too early with the cut trees last year, they don't last as long they don't indoors. Last. No, yeah. no, they don't. Uh, like, I mean, you know, if you're buying a Christmas tree, like we open on the 20th of November every year, but if you're buying a Christmas tree the first week that we open, you have to put into a water stand, you know. Um, it just won't survive. Um, so... A little, a little trick, really. Just uh, it has, has to be water for the if you're going to leave the Christmas tree in for five or six weeks. Yeah, because it'll die out after about three weeks. It'll really start to start sh- shedding its leaves. Somebody wants to know: Is it true that you should put seven up into it? In seven up, the yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, like it actually, it's really good for absorbing the water. So like, that's a trick that we always say to our customers. Well, anything sugary uh, based, like seven up, you know, um, any kind of fizzy drink, or even just sugar itself. 
Um, it just helps with the uptake of the water. Just in with the water, not all seven up. Just you put it in. With no, the water. no, yeah. just add your water and just you just as small as seven up, really. Yeah. You know. Okay. All right. So, um, you're are you expecting a busy Christmas then, Colin, this year? We're expecting a busy, busy Christmas, right? This year, yeah, because the popcorns are quite popular. Um, like not only are we renting, we're also selling them as well. And there's actually really good value in to buy them as well because how much to buy? To buy like our three foot to rent or twenty five to buy or forty. And our five foot to rent are forty, and to buy our sixty five. Um, but I think a lot of people think there's a lot of maintenance involved Is that? over the year. But you know, it comes with the care leaf list. Um, you know, there's you know you can actually keep in the pot all year. You don't actually have to plant it into the ground. Um, so there isn't a lot of maintenance involved with it. You know, because Christmas trees in general are quite hardy anyway. So it's very hard to kill them. Okay. And do you, do you hate the artificial ones? I don't hate the artificial ones. No, I think I actually think there's some great artificial ones. Yeah. Uh, these days, you know, um, I remember seeing them in Brown Thomas there a few years ago, and I mean they're they're lifelike. They're really really good. Um, but you know, I would be more kind of uh, more traditional. Kind of, they're yeah, not great, but the listen, I'm 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 a fan of the artificial ones as well. Unfortunately, but they're not great for the environment. They're not great. No, I mean, no. They're, you know, they're, they're, it's plastic as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, I suppose if you have one boss. You're better off just keep going with it then as well, mm. you know. Well, that's it. The longer you can use, what well, if you have bought an artificial as one. As long as you can use something, yeah. like that, that, that's the real sustainability, really. Yeah, don't know. be changing it every every couple a couple of years. Okay. Definitely not, yeah. I, I, and I was going to ask this question, folks. How can Colin be contacted? Uh, where 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 are you selling your trees from, uh, we're, Colin? We're at, the, we're at the Blackhawk Garden Club seven days a week, and we're here till probably December 12th. Uh, we're also online at christmastree.e. You can now order online. Um, or like we're very active on Instagram as well as uh, Cork Pot Growing Christmas Trees. Okay, listen, good luck with your your Pot Growing Christmas Trees this year, Colm. I think it's a, a brilliant initiative and I hope lots lots more people uh, follow suit with it. It's terrific. Uh, thanks for that and a happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas, Patricia. Take Thanks care. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Uh, Colm Crowley there with his pot-grown uh, Christmas uh, trees. I just love that concept of hiring a Christmas tree and then bring it back next year and you'll have the same tree. It'll be fabulous for photographs with children. Um, they, they, you know, I'm... I love if people can remember to do it if you have, if there's, particularly if there's a new baby in the household, to take a photograph beside the Christmas tree every year and to have a collection then year on year of the child growing beside the Christmas tree. There's something lovely about looking back on those uh, photographs. I know the teenagers absolutely hate doing it and when the photographs come out on the 21st they're mortified and all of that but there's something really sweet uh, about it. I forgot to mention yesterday we gave away Get Up and Go Diaries. We did it just at the close of the programme yesterday so I promised that I would announce our winners today. We gave away three Get Up and Go diaries. I must check with John Paul. I'm sure we have more of these diaries uh, to give away. They're every single year. They're hugely popular here on the programme. So I do think we have more to give away between now and Christmas. But yesterday's diaries were one. The Gratitude Diary is winging its way to Sheila Crowley. Orchard Lane in Aherla. Congratulations, Sheila. The Get Up and Go Hero Diary is going to Pat Egan in Cahar Duggan outside of Mallow. And the Busy Woman Get Up and Go Diary is going to Anne O'Sullivan Main Street in Ballydehab, who no doubt is a very busy woman. So congratulations, Sheila Crowley in Aherla. 
Pat Egan and Cahar Duggan and Anna Sullivan in Bally de Hob, all winners yesterday for our Get Up and Go Diaries. John Paul is taking, are taking, taking your calls. Phone lines have been busy today, so uh, patience, please, if you've been having difficulties getting uh, through, but the lines are open at 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp as well to 862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, if you're looking for a really lovely night out that will follow all COVID guidelines to keep everybody safe, then a trip to St George's Art Centre in Mitchellstown this Saturday night is a must because the wonderful Rebecca Storm will be performing live. And I'm delighted to say that Rebecca has taken time out to join us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you, Rebecca. Good morning, Patricia. And Long it's, time no oh, speak, Absolutely. Eh? It's so good to talk to you. And, and, I, and, you. and I was just thinking, how excited are you to be back performing live? I, I can't. It, it's indescribable, actually. You know, it's just, um, I mean, I, I've done five concerts this year. Um, and I was so grateful to be able to do them and this will be our last one before the new year um and it's a brand new heritage center isn't it? it's all yeah. been refurbished and i'm i'm thrilled to be invited to kind of launch it i suppose open it i think it's yeah. the first concert it's, and you obviously haven't been there yet it is just no. stunning the work that they're doing there they have a committee there on headed up by bill power they are just they're they're incredible uh, people but the fact that you're in an old church the acoustics yeah. in a church there's something really special about yeah. that but absolutely second to none it's my favorite place of singing without without a doubt yes yeah. absolutely uh yeah i mean I, I, it's um it's so atmospheric apart from anything else yeah. i mean as you say the acoustics are lovely but there's just there's just such a, a, a lovely atmosphere. And, and I, I was brought up singing in the church. That's how I started. It was so, it? Yeah. yeah. It's like going back to my roots. <laughs> and I think at Christmas time, there's something emotional and very special about being, but listening to music in a church at Christmas time. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, we all remember our carol services, don't we? Mm. From, our, from our, you know, youth. I do anyway. I remember walking up the aisle with all my uh, friends singing once in Royal David City and stuff like that, you know, and, it, and with the candles and things, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, Patricia. Right. What's the last 18 months been like for you, Rebecca? Okay. Well, uh, you know, very grateful that we didn't get the COVID, okay. for goodness sake, you know. Absolutely tragically sad for some of my friends that have suffered with it. Thankfully, they've come out the other side, but... Um, uh, you know, we haven't been able to to work. But now we were very lucky because we just done sixty weeks in Calendar Girls, the musical touring, um, and we finished that up in the uh, December, literally a year ago, uh, two years ago, this week. Um, and I did a few weeks in Blood Brothers in the February, um, and then uh, we had the board goshing, so we had to cancel that. So that's been cancelled twice it's going back in in march next year all things being equal and uh you know no changes uh, so from our point of view personally initially when when we locked down we were going to put our feet up for five minutes you know and yeah. just um smell the roses but um then it just went on and on so on a selfish basis 
we were okay initially, and then uh, it, it started to really hit hit home that this is this is something that's going to take a long time to get over. And I, and I I just feel for so many people who you know perhaps who live on their own and things like that. It's it, it's been it's been extraordinarily tough for them. And there's been so many people in your industry that have been uh, affected. Obviously, you know, you're oh, the yeah. one out front um, and the, the performers and, you know, you live to sing. But it's all the background people, the, you know, the lighting people, the sound people, all the technicians. Yes. Their work just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all suddenly became um, unessential. You know, yeah, yeah. and that that was that was very uh, that hurt that cut deep actually. Um, you know, purely from the point of view that uh, you can you can see how people do want to go out and do want to you know kind of watch um, musical theatre or you know just concerts or whatever it happens to be. And um, I mean, I understand that it's it's not essential when when you're saving people's lives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but. Um, some of my friends have just been in the depth of depression and mm. it's going to take a bit of getting out. But we are up and running again. Yeah. And we're just hoping now, beyond hope, that people will be sensible, people will get vaxxed, people will wear their masks and therefore we can keep ticking over. Everybody can keep ticking over in restaurants and, and everything else because um, that's what we want. And if we have to pay, in my personal opinion, a small price for it, then... For goodness sake, let's do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I know everybody involved at uh, at uh, St George's. You know, it's going to be COVID compliant, and people will have their uh, COVID passports, and uh, you know, everything will be done because yeah. it's important for them that everything works and works uh, properly. And and you know, something you're right. I think for people's mental health, people need to get out. We need to meet other people, and music is just so good for the soul. Yes, yes. Um, and I mean, I think you know, mask or no mask, people can sing along with me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and and, sit and uh, in my personal opinion, singing is good for the soul. Yeah. So if they want to join in, um, and you do, know, you, do you like do you like that? Do you like to hear people joining in? Personally, I do. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it depends where you're sitting and who's sitting behind you and how they're. <laughs> They're singing <laughs> as, as to whether you know jury might be out on that one. <laughs> but, um, so sad. I don't want I don't want to say too much, and then people go, you told them they could sing, sing yeah. you know, <laughs> and now we can't hear you because they're singing so loud. So you know, there's probably a happy balance. Yeah, yeah, you two. can you can hum it you can hum it quietly to yourself. Uh, now, what can people expect on uh, Saturday night? Uh, we've got, um, we've been working with a, a six-piece band, and so when we were chatting about doing this, we said we don't really want to do it any other way. We'll do it exactly the same way as when we've done the TLT and, and, and sort of a thousand-plus seater. I know there's only 150 or so uh, people in the in the Heritage Centre, but we're still bringing the full band and my okay. two beautiful singers Mary Lowe and um, Alivard Miller are coming to sing with me. My husband is the musical director, Kenny, who you've met many times. Absolutely. He's singing with me. So we've, um, yeah, we've a couple of keyboards. And uh, David Monroe's on the piano. He did the Streisand Songbook things with me. Um, John Boyle is on the guitar. Um, 
Carl Rooney is actually giving me this. Carl Rooney is on the sax and um, flute, and uh, basically it's the full band um, That's in, brilliant. in a very That's... intimate setting. Yeah, so, um, well, well done, because, you know, people would have thought in times like this, Ash, if you show up yourself and sing a few, to a few backing tracks, but to bring your full band, that's that really is special. Well done, well done. And song-wise, all of the songs from the shows and the musicals? The songs from... Um, the songs would be... Maybe how people would remember me, like um, Easy Terms and Tell Me It's Not True from Blood Brothers, um, Argentina from Evita, I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis, Hello Dolly from Hello Dolly. Yeah. Um, I've actually, because uh, I did a show with a lot of dancers just recently, so we we popped back in a song that I recorded on the Broadway by Storm album 30 years ago. Say that very quickly. It's so scary, isn't it? <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's a, a couple of songs, Anything Goes and Blow Gabriel Blow from the musical Anything Goes. Um, and it's it, the funny thing is, I mean, I, I literally recorded that when I was in Vamous 30 years ago, and now there is a production of Anything Goes back in the West End. So I'm bang up to date, Patricia. Yeah, you are, and, well, um, you always are. You always are. And, and for, 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 me, for me, I will forever, and, and I can see a lot of our listeners saying uh, that they saw you in, in Blood Brothers. I mean, just there's nobody does Blood Brothers uh, like Rebecca Storm does uh, Blood Brothers. And it, and, and it was interesting to hear you say that that was one of the last uh, things that you did before uh, lockdown. Will there be more Blood Brothers to come for you? Um, I've got fingers, toes, knees, eyes crossed. Um, I think I've still got at least one more in me, Patricia. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, you never want to say goodbye to a show like that, but I've been doing it for 35 years. Um, and so, you know, I might need a facelift, who knows? Yeah, you know, no, but... Listen, we would say you've grown, you, you haven't grown older that show, you've grown up with that, with that show. And yes, you, have, you, yes. you love it as much now. As I, when, love, you, I love it more now. Isn't that I, incredible? I, yeah, genuinely, I, I every time I go back in, I think it's probably about 15 versions that I've done now over the 35 years. And and every time I go back in and I go into rehearsals with, uh, uh, you know, with the director, I together we find something new, um, you know, just t- tiny things. But, you know, things that make it absolutely fascinating for me. And I think to myself, you know, why didn't I feel that? Why didn't I do that? You know, the previous versions. So, so that in itself, I, I never ever get bored with the show, and mm. that in itself is is very very interesting. But also the the actual, um, do you know the the standard of it? The sound is so immaculate now. When I first did it back in 1984, um, and we came to the Cork Opera House in 1986, the dialogue wasn't mic'd. Which meant that, um, you know, in, in the fact I love the Cork Opera House, of course I do, I absolutely yeah. adore uh, singing there. But actually to project all that dialogue for a, what is in effect almost a three-hour show. That's a big, was, that's it, a big, big yeah, stadium. It, yeah. it, it, was, it, was quite, it was quite a job. And, um, and now it's just very subtly, um, uh, we, we have the mics on very, very subtly for the dialogue means then when you're actually doing the lines you don't have to say them so loud and they make so much more sense because as you know there's there's very sad little moments in mm. it and um you don't want to be you don't want to be saying those loud yeah you know so yeah. It, it's um, there's so many things that have improved about it so yes 
I'm I'm really hoping because I I missed the last time we came to the Opera House. Well, it would be brilliant. It would be br- it would be brilliant to have you back in the Opera House in in 2022 with us. But in the meantime, uh, lots of people really looking forward to this uh, sa- this Saturday night. As you say, your last your last run out before Christmas. Where will you and Kenny spend Christmas? Will you spend it quietly on your Hot, own or yes, home here in Kildare. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, we'd, we'd um, like to go over and see the family, but just at the moment, I think staying safe, staying oh, no. home is... Oh, no. um, Everyone's feeling the same way. Yeah. Listen, as, it's always a pleasure to have you on the programme. Oh, uh, enjoy Saturday night and uh, we'll catch up again soon. That's great. It's lovely to hear your voice. Thanks and, a million. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you all down there. And happy Christmas to yourself and Kenny. Happy Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh, the wonderful uh, Rebecca Storm, uh, who, as I say, this Saturday night, one night only, and her last... Uh, her last chance to see her live this uh, year. And then God help her, she didn't get to play many, many venues uh, this year, but she's in the wonderful St George's in uh, Mitchellstown. And I'm told the tickets are available through Eventbrite or by calling 87 811 Now, obviously, tickets are going to be limited because they're making sure that it's staying as COVID safe as they can. And tickets are also on sale at Reedy's Kitchen Garden and the favourite in Mitchellstown. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Talking of Christmas, somebody says, Tricia, uh, do we phone or text for the bells uh, this evening? It is by text or WhatsApp that you get your answers in. This is our wonderful Super Value gift card uh, giveaway here where we've got Christmas covered at C103 and people are in with a chance to win a total of €5,000 every day. Across this week and next week, we're giving away a voucher to one lucky listener, uh, a Super Value gift card to the value of €500, which certainly, I think, will cover uh, anyone's uh, Christmas. You're listening at 9, at 2 o'clock and at 5 o'clock. The bells ring out, the Christmas bells ring and then you have to count the bells, add them all up and then after Martina plays the bells at five o'clock, that's your final number for the day. You add them to the numbers, hopefully that you've counted at nine o'clock and at two o'clock and then you text or WhatsApp Martina on uh, drive time on 0862103103 with the total amount, launch your name and address for your chance to win. And yesterday we had our second winner and we went to Kinsale this time and here's how Martina got on. It's 11 bells. 11 bells, yes. It is 11 bells. There's my congratulatory piece of music there for you. Uh, Colette, uh, thanks so much for entering. Do you have a super value near you? You're in Kinsale, so yeah. Yeah, yes, we do, yeah. So a 500 euro festive shopping spree is uh, going to be happening with you and your family? That looks fantastic. Thank you very much. <laughs> Colette, we hope you have a fantastic Christmas. Okay, thank you very much, Martina. How excited did Colette Connolly sound from Summer Cove in Kinsale? Congratulations to you, uh, Colette. Another super value gift card worth 500 euro to be given away uh, today to get your Christmas covered by C103. And of course, the super value gift cards, perfect for every occasion. They're available in store uh, for e-gift cards that can be sent with a personal message. You search Super Value gift uh, cards. So two o'clock today and Nick will be playing the bells again. And Friday, we're continuing with the giving because we have a free 
Panto Friday for Aladdin at the Everyman here on C103. We'll be inviting you to listen across the day for your chance to grab a family pass and enjoy all the magic and the fun of a Panto. And that's happening on Friday. Now, back to your text calls and comments coming into the programme. Problems with the NDLS that we spoke about at the start of the programme with the gentleman from West Cork who did a round trip of 100 miles to try to renew his driving licence from all the way from Ali. He's into Skibbereen, didn't have a bank card and he had to go home again without his driver's licence. Marcus is in Bandon and he's contacted us. Good afternoon to you, Marcus. Hi, Patricia. Now, How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You had a problem with trying to renew your driving licence as well. I did. I had an appointment yesterday in Mallow at uh, 2pm and uh, I took a day off work so I had everything in order so I went up and in fairness the lady was very good there was no bother but when it came to me um, you need a form with your address on it like say um, an ESB bill now or something like that. I had a bank I had a bank form. I got a new banking card there about two weeks ago and I thought that would do me. Yeah. And it ended up it didn't do because there was no date on the form. So I couldn't believe it. I had to turn around and head home again to Bandon and I had, I was waiting ages for my drug payment card for your um, PPS number. Mm. And I had everything in line except this. So it's very important. So whatever form you have to make sure there's a date on it. Oh, that's, that's frustrating. And why would, did you travel from Bandon to Mallow? Was that the closest you could get for a date for your NDLS? I wanted one in Cork City, but there, there, was no, there was no appointment until kind of the 20th of December, I think, or somewhere around that date anyway. It was the nearest, so I said, you know what, I'll just go to Mallow and get it. Get it done. I was basically adding a catechy onto my license. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, because you can renew online, but I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can't to add a category. That's that's very very frustrating to take a day off at work. And I know um, we often hear from people, particularly about the Mallow NDLS, that they're helpful and friendly. The staff that are in there and they do their best. But I suppose. This is where bureaucracy takes over. Them's are the rules, and the computer says no, and all of that. Like, it's ridiculous, because I had my old driving licence, I had everything, you know, I, I'm on the system, you know, it, it, it just drove me mad that I had to drive home again, you yeah. know. And did you get a new appointment? I did, now in fairness, the lady behind the counter, she couldn't have been any nicer, she was, um, she gave me an appointment for the 14th of December again, which was the nearest one available in Mallow, you know, so, like, she couldn't do any more for her. I know, me. I know, so is that, is that another day off work for you? <laughs> it is. It is. That's the, that's the annoying thing now about it. Like, um, I work in the naval service. Like, so look, they they they, they might look after me. You know. Well, um, hopefully they will. It's, it's in the evening again, you know. But uh, that's it's frustrating. It really is so frustrating when you think you have all your ducks lined up, and then there's one thing missing, and bang. Uh, and there's nothing they'll say. There's nothing that they can do. All right. Okay. Listen, Marcus. Good luck with it on the fourteenth. No matter. And uh, thanks a million. Uh, 1850 333 103. So if you're bringing a form of ID with you, it needs to have a date on the actual item that you're bringing uh, by way of your form of ID for you, for your address. You can apply online because I know a couple of people are making the point, why can't they have more of these test centres dotted around the country? Why are they making people travel? And there's Marcus having to go from Bandon uh, to Mallow to try to renew his licence. People are 
saying surely there's got to be a better system in place like Eleanor is making the point uh, could they not on a temporary basis let people go to their local post office to renew their driving uh, licence we're all being advised to keep our contacts low and now they're expecting people to drive around the county and around the country uh, just to renew their driving licence you can renew your driving licence by the way online and it would be remiss of me not to mention it you can do it online but in order to do it online you have to have a public services card and a MyGov ID verified account and not everybody has those things and if you do then you can do it online but for a lot of people they don't have the public services card or perhaps they don't have a MyGov ID verified uh, account and for that reason people then have to go in a person and there's only time so many time slots that they have um, and there's so many appointments that are available to people because obviously they're trying to keep COVID compliant as well but it it certainly is uh, frustrating and Paddy in Ballyno is saying to the man from West that didn't have the bank card who was told to go and get a bank card even though he can get one of those pay zone vouchers as well um, he's saying that and for other people who fall into that category that don't have a bank card to, Paddy's making the suggestion pop into your local credit union a lot of the local a lot of the credit unions now are doing a debit card there's no charge on this debit card and it would help people into the future for other issues like this and there will be other times and cases where people are going to have to have uh, a bank card because we are, whether we like it or not, we are moving towards a cashless society. It certainly is happening. So your local friendly credit union, many of those have started to use debit uh, cards and breaking news. And we knew that this was going to come eventually. The first case of Omicron, Omicron variant of coronavirus has been confirmed in uh, Ireland. And I don't have any more information on that as of yet. No doubt we'll have more of that on the news at one. It was expected. We had our own Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, saying that when this new variant, when we first started talking about it last week out of South Africa, they at that stage, particularly when they started to realise there was cases in the UK, there was uh, cases in Scotland, there was cases across Europe, it was expected that there was already cases in, in Ireland. And then only yesterday I discovered there was nine cases in particular confirmed cases from PCR tests that they were looking at and doing this genome sequencing on to find out if it was the Omicron variant and it seems one of the cases or one one or more of the cases dated back to to October so it was it was it predated the first case in uh, South Africa so that's the first case now to be confirmed uh, in Ireland we'll have more on the news at one o'clock 1850 on schools and what's happening in schools Bob in Mallow We'll throw this out, see does others agree or disagree with Bob. Bob reckons that when we're looking at the high number of cases in the 5 to 12 year olds in the community and in the last 14 days up to midnight on uh, Sunday, nearly 12,000 children aged between 5 and 12 had a test positive. Bob says, is it not time to close the schools? Leave them, let them either close early for Christmas or go back to the homeschooling that we had earlier on. Now that will put the fear of God 
into some parents listening if I dare mention homeschooling but close them now and leave them closed until the middle of January let everybody take a breather for uh, a while and let everybody get over uh, Christmas would that not be a way out of it at the moment instead of the restrictions that they've put in place for primary school uh, children would others agree with that should they just maybe close either close the schools now would you say close the schools and give children an extended Christmas break the children would agree with that and so would the teachers or would you be saying revert back to homeschooling what is there left about three weeks left in this school term before they break up for Christmas and then they'll be off uh, for two weeks is there a need now with so many cases in that age group the 5 to 12 year olds is there a case of maybe for the primary schools for them to shut up shop early to stop the uh, spread Pat says Patricia my son went off to school this morning with his face mask on gloves scarf woolly hat I thought he was going to the North Pole instead of heading in for a day in school but if it keeps him safe then that's what we all must do I uh, love the show thank you for that um, uh, but yeah, it sounds like he was heading off to the Arctic uh, Circle and I'm assuming that that was replicated in a lot of households this morning the children putting on additional layers of clothes to keep them warm in the classroom and now we know for the children from third class upwards uh, were asked to wear a mask from uh, today seeing some texts in from people saying what about the children that can't wear masks what's going to happen uh, there uh, principals and we met we touched on this earlier with the Irish Primary Principals Network principals have been told that they're the ones best placed to identify children whose complex needs would work against them wearing a face mask and they can have the discussion uh, with their uh, parents and this is this is the official wording that went into the schools last night in some circumstances a school may not require a medical search because they're saying that medically certified exemptions will apply in the case of a child who's got breathing difficulties or special needs but it's a medically certified exemption now it says in some cases the school may not require the medical search to provide an exemption to the wearing of face coverings. In other circumstances where a medical search is not provided, that person, staff or pupil will be refused entry to the school and I think that's what is uh, frightening so many people. And then I did see online when that news broke that that was being issued to all of the schools I did see a number of parents and doctors take to social media last night, particularly around the medical certificate from your GP to exempt a child from wearing a mask in the classroom and I saw on social media last night one doctor in Ashburn in County Meath uh, who's very active it seems in the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines he actually sent a direct tweet to the Education Minister Norma Foley last night and he said I quote the tweet don't mistake our time as something you officials can waste with such nonsense he said GPs will not be issuing certificates regarding mask wearing this is not a role for a GP in this instance now you will have some GPs who will do it but you will have others I think they are simply flat out and busy we even spoke with Dr John Sheehan this morning who spoke about how busy they are the last thing they need is a waiting room full of children and parents going in to try to get a certificate to say they're exempt from wearing a mask. 1850-333-103 and thank you to Pat who sent in a text to say McCroom Town is choked with traffic at the moment. Both directions, nothing's moving. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie Mallow Christmas Market will be held tomorrow, Friday the 
23rd and again the following Friday the 10th of December from 9am to 1pm it'll be held in St James's Church Ground with up to 20 ven- vendors if your chance to purchase Christmas trees gifts and local food produce from local producers and from uh, artists, artists Drive-In Bingo is happening in Kildallery tomorrow night that's at 8 o'clock and Penny Dinners Collection in Canturk Trade Union Hall will happen next Saturday between 11am and 1pm and the Santa Cycle is back next Sunday starting from the South Docks at 6pm registration is open at Goldberg's Bar on Victoria Street on Saturday between 4 and 6 and again on Sunday between 3 and 5 and that's just before the ride heads off Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group from motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie and a lot of people are agreeing with Bob and Mallow. Bob and Mallow was the one who had the suggestion, should we just close the schools if we have these rising number of cases? Uh, it's highest in the community in five to 12 year olds. Is there not now a case? Well, everybody but secondary schools for primary schools to close them early. Lots of people texting in to say fully agree, 100% agree, close the school early. Somebody else says, I agree with that man, Bob from Mallow, close the schools. That's the way us parents can keep our children safe and at the same time keep our children warm. The amount of people are talking about their children who are cold inside in the classroom and it's a cold day today and it's cold tomorrow so that's why the other mama was saying about her child. He looked like he was heading out to the Arctic this morning. He was wrapped up so warm and Tim says, I know teachers will be adamantly opposed to this suggestion, says Tim but would it not make sense to extend the winter school holiday and shorten the summer holiday, the virus will be hopefully less will be hopefully less prevalent in the summertime. So rather than the okay, for primary school children two months off and the secondary have about three months off. So instead of that, extend say what there's about three weeks is there three weeks left to this to the Christmas holidays and they'll be off for two weeks. So close the schools, say on Friday, put an extra three weeks on to the Christmas break and then take three weeks off the summer break. So instead of breaking up in June, they wouldn't break up until July, mid-July for the primary schools and the beginning of July, say, for the secondary schools. How would that... Now, Tim reckons teachers would be opposed to it. How would parents feel about that if you were given a vote on that whereby your children now would remain at home, they get a longer Christmas holiday, but they'd get a shorter summer holiday? Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850 Thank you for the gardening questions that are coming in to, for Peter. Keep those coming because he'll join us in a couple of minutes. And then a couple of other issues that are coming in. Okay, we were talking about the the, the new testing regime for people travelling and arriving into Ireland, which kicks in comes into force from a minute past past midnight this Friday. So anybody arriving in Ireland for Friday uh, needs to have either a negative. PCR test are a negative professionally done antigen test no matter what country they are coming at from. Uh, there's, uh, people are asking different questions. For example, somebody is travelling to Poland on Sunday and is wondering do they need to have a negative PCR test travelling out to Poland? You're certainly going to have to have one uh, coming back in. The, the, the person's doubly vaccinated. You're going to need to check, check with Poland because every country is operating different regimes. For example, 
what Ireland is doing is being deemed as one of the strictest across Europe. The fact that we are requiring everyone, regardless of their vaccination status, we're requiring everyone to have, have either a negative PCR test taken 72 hours before arrival or a negative professionally taken antigen test 48 hours before arrival. That's only for people who are doubly, um, who are already vaccinated or are, 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 are already uh, recovered from uh, COVID. That's one of the strictest across Europe. The only other country that has put in place similar provisions uh, is is Portugal. Uh, so you're going to need to check. You just go whatever country you're travelling to, you're going to need to check with them. And I will be saying check even certainly up to 24 hours before you leave because things are changing all of the time. There's Because we've introduced these new regulations kicking in from Friday, the amount of people that are already gone away and are caught with this but then and they're now scrambling to get PCR tests or antigen tests uh, abroad. And that's something if you do decide to travel, you have to keep in mind things are tra- changing all of the time and then Anne says hi Trish is it five or six months for your booster jab I got AstraZeneca for AstraZeneca for Pfizer and for Moderna you can get your booster jab five months after your second dose when you got your second jab and how do you know when you got your second jab it'll be on the little cards you know the handwritten cards that we got when we got our first uh, jab it's also because I checked it myself it's also on your COVID certificate the one you have most of us have it on our phones if you click into that the details are on that when you got your second jab and then you count five months and it can't even be a day or two under the five months it's got to be five you've got to be at least uh, five months because we've heard of so many people go, go to a vaccination centre or turn up to a pharmacy that's giving it or go to a doctor's practice and they've been turned away because they're not the five months now it's three months if you got uh, Jan- uh, Johnson Johnson the Janssen vaccine uh, you're entitled to your booster actually talking of boosters I'm getting my booster thrilled to be getting my booster on next uh, Sunday Sunday, Weedles Pharmacy in Mallow got a text from them to say that they are doing the over 50s, my category. So I sent off, filled in the form, sent it off and delighted. Yesterday I was, I was back again, almost like Love Ireland. Got a text, got a text to say I've got an appointment. It's by appointment uh, only. So, and I've been saying that to people, pharmacies are really playing a blinder. Check in with your local pharmacy as well, because for a lot of people, they don't like the idea of having to travel into the city. And we know some of the county vaccination centres now are closed and the people have been sent to the city instead but it's it's great to be able to get it on your own doorstep if you can get it in your local pharmacy so check with your local pharmacies as well don't know there was one yesterday I think in McCroom that was doing walk-ins many of them are not doing walk-ins you need to make an appointment so check in uh, with them usually you do it online that's certainly how I did it with Weedles Pharmacy you filled in a, an application on form uh, online and then you wait it and then I got my appointment date for next Sunday so looking forward to getting my booster I can tell you and somebody says the Christmas bonus Patricia you're talking about yeah that gets paid next week is it a full week or a half week it's a full week it was a full week it got announced in the budget last October they're paying a full week Christmas bonus to those who are entitled to it and you'll pick it up from next Monday on whatever day you get your social welfare payment next week will be a double. 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 we're going to take a break and we're back talking guys It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. With Peter Dowdle. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And somebody has just been on asking what is the name of the Christmas tree where you rent a Christmas, the Christmas tree uh, people uh, says, uh, no, that was Colm that we spoke with, uh, Colm Crowley uh, speaking about actually renting a Christmas tree and then you give it back to him. He has it back on the farm and you can rent the same tree again the following year. Wonderful, wonderful uh, idea. And it is uh, christmastree.ie is their uh, website. I'm sure our own Peter Dowdle would be a fan of that. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Peter. I think that's an absolutely fantastic idea. I think that's a fantastic idea, Patricia. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Isn't it wonderful? And I'm telling you, I I couldn't get over how reasonable it was. It was like €25 to rent the three-foot one and uh, €40 to rent the five-foot one. And they package it all up really nicely so it's easy to transport at home. And then um, at the end of December, after Christmas, you bring it back to them. And he says that they mark them all. But he said people rent recognise their tree. You can come back the following year and get your same tree again. I think it's great. It's absolutely brilliant because I love having a real Christmas tree at home and I've always thought though that it's kind of obscene tradition isn't it? That we, we cut down so many trees though I'm, I'm guilty of it myself uh, but I do love them but this is a great and I've, all, I've always espoused the, the idea of, of people buying a living Christmas tree in a pot but then of course you're faced with the idea of what to do with it afterwards so I think this is a brilliant brilliant idea that you can bring it back and then get the same or a different one then next year I really do think it's, that's a great it's idea It's brilliant and he, and he said he saw he originally saw the concept in, in America then he said he saw that they started doing it in Germany and he said he knew from his own customers because he has a Christmas tree farm he knew from his own customers that there was an appetite there for it and he said it's really really uh, take, uh, uh, taken off his Christmas tree farm is in uh, Roscarbury but he sells them out of I think he said the Black Rock Hurling Club is where he sells them out of they're there every day for the next couple of weeks now for people oh, to I pick pa- up their I, trees I, I, I passed him yesterday yeah, I passed him yesterday call, in that that's case that's Colm it's, it's a wonderful idea ok let's get straight into uh, questions that people have for you question please for Peter is it too late to lift and divide 
white daffodils. Uh, it, uh, uh, and if it is too late, when is the best time? That's for Mags in Inchigila. Okay, to Mag, I'm going to tell Mags it's not too late. No, you're still okay. Uh, it is, it is. I mean, textbook-wise, you'd say probably it's too late, 1st of December. But particularly with the mild temperatures we've been having at the moment, it's only recently got cold. So, no, I would lift them, divide them. Where you did plant one bulb, you now have a, a cluster of maybe up to half a dozen bulbs coming off the one root plate. Uh, divide them into individual bulbs and plant them again. Now you you stand on that note, even if you're not lifting and dividing, if you're just planting bulbs, you still have plenty of time to plant your spring bulbs. Uh, It's only the 1st of December, so plenty, plenty of time to do it. Uh, I suppose, in answer to Mags as well, the correct time to do it, the more correct time to do it is at the end of the spring, when the when the daffodils have finished flowering and all the foliage and stems and everything have turned brown and the, the, has gone back into the bulb, which would probably be about May time, that's actually the time to do it. Lift them then, divide them, uh, keep them somewhere cool and dry until the autumn around November, December and plant them out again. Rosaline has a problem with her Christmas cactus. It doesn't look like it's going to flower this year. One in particular. Her second one has loads of flowers and buds on it, but the other one has no buds at all. Looking fine and healthy, but it's just not going to flower this year. Why would that happen? Yeah, you don't have a problem. There's nothing wrong with it. But is it, this comes up uh, regularly around this time of the year, doesn't it, Trish? Yeah. It's kind of question. And what, what it is, is... The Christmas cactus, which are uh, scumbergia, to give them their correct name, an awful mouthful of a name, but they really give this magic floral display during December and January. Um, but sometimes what they do is, and in fact very regularly what they'll do, is take every second year off. They, they, they put so much energy into giving. So I bet you if I asked her the, that that cactus flowered well last Christmas, uh, and they put so much energy into creating a lovely, lovely display they'll very often take a year off break as it builds up its reserves again. I know that's not always true. I know your one, which I've yet to see in your canteen, I believe does it well every year. uh, Can I say, we haven't a bud on it this year. Oh, well, there you go. Because I've got one at home. I've got one at home that's in full, full, beautiful flowers. It's just gorgeous. And it's that gorgeous cerise pink. But the the, the two that we have here in the canteen, one is the pink one and one is the, the, the lighter pink, almost white. And there isn't a bud on them this year. I think this is the year they're taking a break. They're having a break. I'm, l- yeah. I'm looking at them every morning going, you're having a rest, you'll be back with us next year. And like that, they're fine, they're fine and healthy, but don't don't panic and we're not panicking, uh, we're not panicking about it and Rosalind, don't panic, it will, it will come back. You're up there with Prince Charles, Trish, you know that, talking to your flowers now. I, me and Prince Charles, does everything have something in common with that man? Um, and from Bantry says, uh, Peter, I have a flagpole cherry and then there's a big long name after it, I won't even try and pronounce, growing in the corner of a small townhouse garden in Bantry. Now it's not growing on a lawn. Is it okay to leave the fallen leaves on the ground? It's surrounded by earth. Is it okay to leave them? I suppose she wants them rotting back in. It's absolutely okay. Prunus Amanagawa is the long name That's of that it. plant and it's called called the flagpole cherry because it grows straight up like a flagpole or like a very thick pencil. It, it's, it's no kind of w- uh, width to that crown. It's a very upright growing growing tree. But that or any deciduous tree which is dropping its leaves, it's more than okay to leave them. It's very, very beneficial to leave them. Uh, I wrote an article for the examiner recently and it said, who says money doesn't grow on trees? It does. If you look at the leaf litter that those trees give, 
you know it's the best soil conditioner that you can get you, you know so 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 put your put your wallet away and save a trip to the garden center in the spring for soil conditioner if you have leaves just put put them all into a hessian bag leave them for 12 months and you have the best i mean it's really the best soil conditioner you can get uh, failing that you don't even have to go to that level of work just leave them on the soil and, and let the earthworms do the thing important to get them off the lawn all right now i know she says it's not planted in the lawn yeah. but it is important for anyone listening to to remove fallen leaves off any lawn area because that will cut out light and oxygen well light to, to the area directly underneath the leaves so you don't want that but don't dump them no definitely not put them in the compost bin or just straight onto the beds okay elizabeth question for peter please what weeping trees and our shrubs would be suitable for shallow ground depth of about one to two feet the width of the area is about five foot by 80 feet well uh, thanks peter but it's to grow um, a wee in a, it's 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 a shallow ground yeah you're not going to like something that's only what i don't know when they say shallow ground is it is it like a man-made bed i wonder that only has one or two feet and then you're hitting concrete or is it just one or two foot of topsoil and then you hit uh, subsoil if it if it's if it's the latter if you only have one or two feet of topsoil and then you hit subsoil well then you're you're fine that's a grand depth of topsoil in a natural situation in a man-made situation like where it might be a, a, a an artificially created bed it, it's not going to be enough no to grow any trees as such but you could look at weeping plants such as um uh, i was thinking there of the japanese maple a nice weeping japanese maple would do well there uh, there's also you you might get away with as we were talking about cherry blossoms a minute ago we have the flagpole cherry but you've also got a weeping cherry are a weeping crab apple, which are trees, yes, but they're relatively small trees. You may get away with them. Um, another thing you could look at is is get what's called a standard rose. Now, the, the term standard there, Trish, refers to the fact that it's grown on a clear stem. So if you can imagine, you know the way you'd see these lollipop plants, they could be roses or they could be bay leaves or whatever. So if you get a, a standard rose, but if it's a weeping rose on top of that stem, well, then you've got maybe five or six feet of this clear stem with the weeping rose on top. So that might also be a nice one to go for. Uh, and that should do well in that situation as well. Okay, we seem to open the floodgates now to do with uh, Christmas cactus. Uh, Trisha in Bantry has a Christmas uh, cactus. It's grown very big. This year it only it only has about two or three blooms on it. Wondering, can she trim it back? It's about 1.5 feet high and 2.5 feet wide. It's been fabulously blooming every year for the last five years. She's only calling now to show off. Yeah, know, that's it. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's a big, big Christmas cactus. It is a big, big one. Um, yes, you can trim it back. I wouldn't trim it back now. It's not going to necessarily promote flowering. Uh, I would trim it back in the spring. And it's very, they're very straightforward to, to trim back. It's, as you know, Trish, when you're looking at the Christmas cactus, the leaves are kind of like segments, aren't yeah. they? So you, you just prune back to a joint between the two segments. Uh, and in fact, the segment that you remove can also become be used as a little cutting for a new plant. So just dip the base of the, of the pruning, if you like, into a small bit of rooting powder and into a bit of compost. Uh, now, it's a, a cutting should only be two, two segments long, not three or four or five. Uh, into a bit of rooting powder or rooting liquid and then into compost. And that will probably root away as well. So you'll be giving away free Christmas cacti. Um, <laughs> But so no harm to prune it, but it probably won't promote flowers. Uh, if there's a few flowers on this one, but it's not flowering as well as it should, you maybe give it a feed. And what you want to promote flowers quickly is what's called a foliar feed. So most plant foods, Trish, are, 
uh, act in the root zone. We drench the soil and the nutrients get taken in by the roots. But there are some foliar plant foods out there as well which get taken in through the foliage and they work that much more quickly. Uh, there's one called Emerald Mist. Now, I know it's an Irish one. Uh, and that's a very, very good, and to the best of my knowledge, it's 100% organic, but I know it's very, very quick in its effect. So emerald mist, get some of that, spray it onto the houseplants now, and hopefully, or any of the indoor plants, like Christmas cactus, something that you're trying to get flowers on, uh, orchids, anything like that, uh, and that should give you good results between now and the 25th. Okay, hi, I've got a monkey-puzzled tree that's at least 52 years old. With the last few months, though, most of the branches from the bottom to about two-thirds of the way up have gone brown. What could be wrong with it? It's never happened before. This is an old tree. 52 years isn't old, Trish. Is it not? No, well, I suppose no, not for I'm, trees. I'm, no. I'm, heading, I'm heading that direction. Oh, yeah, well, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about the tree. <laughs> <laughs> and it's even younger in tree yeah. terms. It's even younger in, in multi-puzzle terms. Um, but I, I hate to say it, but that's not good news. Ah. That, that, yeah, it's not good news. There is a fungal infection which, which affects monkey puzzles. Uh, Oricaria is the name of the monkey puzzle and the the the, the name of what affects it uh, eludes me just at the moment but it's 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 like oricary ands or something like that uh, anyway it's it's a fungal infection which starts hollowing out the inside of the monkey puzzle um and it manifests itself in these in these dead limbs and dead branches outside now that's me answering your question over the radio without ever seeing the tree or even a picture of the tree, okay? So what I would say to the caller there is is get on to somebody like Neil Vaughan or a good tree surgeon, um, uh, get their opinion on it. Uh, if necessary, they'll test it. A good tree surgeon will know uh, what's wrong with it and unfortunately if it needs to be removed or not. Hopefully not, but I'm afraid. Yeah, Sorry not to but get dampen the day, yeah, but, but get it doesn't sound good. Yeah, get something done. Uh, hi, Peter. What would you suggest we do about neighbours who have Japanese knotweed all over their garden? It's now beginning to move into ours. They're not very approachable. Oh, good. Move house. Um, no, I shouldn't be so facetious about the answer because that is a problem. Um I'm very slow to kind of give definite advice over the radio, but I, I like there, there are laws, and the law is that if you have Japanese knotweed on your property, and if you're aware of it, then it is illegal for you to let it go further than your property. So, however, neighbours and being approachable and not approachable, I'm just that that is the way the law is, if you like. Um, I don't know what way to advise you. I suppose the best thing to do is get on to the, I think it's the Japanese Knotweed Company or Japanese Knotweed Ireland. I can never remember the name of the company. It's one of those two that, that are licensed to carry out a survey on it and do up a report. And at least you're beginning to cover yourself in that case. Uh, um, I, I think that's probably what I would do. I would ring them to get advice because this is, uh, Kieran is the, na- the man's name there. You can get on to me directly. I, I can give John Paul the, the number for Kieran if you want. Um, uh, but I would ring them, tell them the situation because you, you'll understand I don't want to give out the wrong advice I know, on, on I know. radio. I, and, and the problem with Japanese knotwood, well, now obviously the neighbour doesn't seem to be bothered about it, but the Japanese knotwood doesn't know where the boundary of the house is. So it's, it's well, it, moving no, to exactly. the neighbouring garden. Japanese knotwood isn't familiar with the law and the neighbour may not be that approachable, but the neighbour does have a legal obligation But whether the caller wants to go that route or not, pardon the pun, is up to them. But uh, I, I would speak to Kieran about this. Uh, as I say, I'll leave the number with John Paul if they want to ring you back uh, and get his advice. Because I don't want to 
give specific advice over the radio on an individual case, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, okay. All right, we'll leave it there. Listen, we'll chat to you again next week. In the meantime, thank you for that. Look forward to it. Thanks, Trish. And thanks for joining us. That is uh, Peter Dowdle from the IrishGardener.com. And that's where I wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and he will be ringing the Christmas bells to get Christmas covered. He'll be doing that at, at two. Make sure you're tuned in until tomorrow. 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.